Well, hello, welcome to the Bold Man's Podcast. Sitting around the table today, we've got Larry. Hey, guys. We've got Joe Graves. I'm here. And it's me, John. We are here today in week something of Galatians. It would be week 10, John. Week 10 of Galatians. And we are picking up today in chapter verse 21 through the end of chapter 4. So 421 through 31. 31. Read it. That's where we are. So if, if you're if you're at a place where you can pause, pause this recording, read that, and then jump back in, and you're back. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> Perfect. So easy. Joe, tell us where we are. Well, it's much like a lot of uh, what we've been going through, Galatians. It, it's hammering the same point. It's almost a, a singular focus type of book. Yeah. And once you get that idea, it becomes very easy to kind of go through it and see where Paul is coming from. Though tonight, it may be a little bit thicker topic because he's, he's uh, see, in the last section, Paul outlined his concern for the Galatian churches and how they were, they were leaving their, their first teachings and what that would mean if they actually left what was taught to get back into legalism. Um, and in this section, Paul begins to look at some more Abrahamic type of stuff with mm-hmm. Sarah and Hagar and what the implications are uh, as kind of a metaphor, you know, and so it's, it's going to be a kind of a metaf- metaphoric evening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, I think that's one of the cool things that we see in, in this writing of Paul I mean, beyond just the message, which we've kind of heard and we've kind of, I mean, it's kind of been revolving right. around this yeah. time and time again. There's also an element here that we can kind of go on a tangent about, and that is how to interpret Scripture. Correct. Uh, because kind of what Paul gives us a really cool lesson here in this text tonight, and uh, as we get there, we'll point that out as yeah. as far as, you know, sometimes we can read and we can be, man, what's he mean by this? Right. And then sometimes he tells us exactly what he means by it. And that principle can be applied in other uh, uh, texts as well, that, uh, the, the interpretation of that. So that's, that's one of those cool nights. Yeah, but I think the metaphor would, would have been more apparent to a first century Jew. It would have been very obvious what Paul was hinting at. Yeah. Uh, and there's a role switch up here mm-hmm. that we're going to read about tonight. And yep. I, I find that very interesting how— uh, and as we go through it, like you said, we're going to see that a very cool writing style yeah, of what he yeah. does tonight. So starting in verse 21, I'll go ahead and read it in the Christian standard Bible, uh, just a middle of the road type mm-hmm. of interpretation. So here we go. Tell me you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. Now, that's where we can pause and we yeah. can say, man, what's he talking exactly. about? Exactly. Why talking, is he bringing like, this up? Now, as you pointed out, like if you know Old Testament history, then you can understand that a, a, a lot more. Um, but he's painting that picture, and he, and he tells us then in the next verse how to interpret what he's saying, which is kind of right. cool. So, yeah, in verse 24, where he starts to give this interpretation, these things are being taken figuratively. So you see, he's he's giving the idea here, oh, wait, don't take this literally. Yeah. 
I'm giving you a picture. Yeah. So try to formulate this picture in your mind as we go through the rest of the scripture that that there's an image appearing here about slavery and freedom. Yeah. And who are you enslaved to? Mm-hmm. And what exactly gives you freedom? So uh, I like this question that Paul asks in the very beginning to kind of get their their mind rolling in this direction. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Don't you hear the law? Don't you hear what it's saying? And what would be uh, the understanding there? You know, do we understand the consequences mm. of being under the law? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I believe the first century Jew who was under Christ would very clearly understand the implication of leaving grace and going back to law. Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, I would think so. I would think so. I mean, you you, you think about the rigid the rigidity yes. of the of the Jewish faith, and, and what the gospel of Jesus means mm-hmm. as far as uh, salvation goes, as far as <clears throat> what it means to be sanctified, to be justified. Um, aren't we fortunate? Aren't we fortunate? Yeah, that we don't have to, yeah, live up to those. I mean, performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. What a reason to be thankful every day. Just thank you, Jesus, for the yeah, grace and the absolutely. faith. There was a moment last weekend in, in the sermon where Sammy approached the audience and, and talked to everybody personally and said, why did Jesus do that for you? Why, why would he do that for me? Why? why? You know, why, Joe? You know, why, Matt? Why, why did he do this for you? You know? What, what in the world was God thinking? Yeah. You know, yeah. for such a person like me, yeah, to make that sacrifice, and then to have it put into this perspective, that we would be abandoning grace, going back to the law, and what that would mean. It's it was a huge impact moment, and I think the impact is going to be <laughs> described here much more. Um, but it, it like I said, it's it's a figurative. Mm-hmm. It's a picture. It's a word picture Paul is painting. So you have this free woman. You have this slave woman. Yep. All right. Hagar being the slave, an, Egy- an Egyptian woman uh, who is the handmaid or the servant of uh, Sarah. Mm-hmm. So she was a slave to Sarah. Let's yep. just put it in those days. She would have been considered a slave. Ownership under Sarah. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. Let's put it bluntly. Uh, when Sarah wasn't giving birth and she was barren, completely without children, she took it upon herself to fulfill the law, which were the promise, which was that Abraham would have seed. Mm-hmm. So she gave her, her Egyptian servant, Hagar, to Abraham so that he could impregnate her, and Correct. then they would use that. And so I, uh, yeah. Ishmael was the result. Yeah. yeah. That was by flesh, yeah. which we're having pointed to here, yeah. uh, the flesh. And what is the other side of it? The, we, the promise. The promise. Mm-hmm. The promise. So, so, so what was so, the promise, right? Yeah. Let's just outline the promise real quick. The promise was God saying to Abraham— just no more than a few chapters earlier in Genesis, that your 
seed would be a blessing to the entire world. Remember? Yeah, I'll make you a great nation. Yeah, Just, make you yeah, a great nation. Absolutely, yep. And your seed will be a blessing to the world. And I think Paul actually outlines that back in chapter 2 and 3, mm-hmm. I think. Three, yeah. yeah, chapter 3. Yes. Um, so, that's where we're at. Now, now, the strange thing here is, as he continues, you've got those two personalities. And so, and so which one would be the, I mean, if you were going to moralize, which is always a dangerous thing to do, but the first century Jews did this quite a bit. We do too. But if we were to moralize individuals and say, okay, I want to be more like this person than that person, well, who would you moralize and want to become, Sarah or Hack? You know what I mean? Like, which one would you choose? Well, of course, we would choose Sarah, right? Because mm-hmm. she is ultimately You the would father. want to be her, her children, of her line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of you would the want promise. To be, of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want to be born out of fleshly lust. Or, right, right, or or born of a slave. But here's right. the contrast that Paul starts to make then in verse 25. He says, now Hagar, no, uh, uh, hold on, these two women, uh, one's from Mount Sinai. Oh, uh, yeah, we didn't finish verse 24. Yeah, verse 24. Two covenants, right? Two covenants. The women one represent two covenants. Sinai, Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Jerusalem, and she corresponds to the present Jerusalem. Yes. Where she is in slavery with her children. Boom. Isn't sudden, that interesting? Bam. Yeah. That's crazy. And you could just read right over that and not really realize what Paul just did there. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying it's now like a, the line of Sarah have become slaves yeah. to the law. Yeah. There's this role reversal. You who think you're righteous, who who you think uh, you who think you're free mm-hmm. are really in slavery and you don't know it. You're you're really not children of Abraham by Sarah, but you're children of Abraham by hmm. Hagar, um, like you're, you're bound. You're you're in, you're you're yeah. not who you think. How, you are. how did they get bound, though? I don't think they realized the point at which it happened. Uh, you know, everybody who was under the law ever since it was given was bound. But yeah, yeah. but we, when did that role reversal come? Because <clears throat> the promise was always through Je- when Jesus, yeah, with, with Jesus, the resurrection right. of Jesus. When they missed the, the, His, yeah. the Messiah, when it yeah. was. When it flew over their head and they crucified the Messiah, they sealed their their slavery and became children of Mount Sinai of the flesh of Ishmael's line. Yeah, yeah I the, find that very interesting. Yeah, the, the other way to see that is kind of closer to home would be these Jewish Christians, these Jews who accepted the Messiah, mm-hmm. trans for their membership to Team Messiah to when they understood the resurrection of Jesus, correct. that historic event. Correct. But now by going back to the law and specifically to that of circumcision, they're binding themselves again, right? Yep. That's so you've been set free, but you're going back to chains. Yep. Yeah. Incredibly you know, hurtful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going again, back to Egypt. Again, <laughs> as he started, yeah. Again, as he started chapter one off by saying, what, you know, what, what, yeah. What saved you? What bewitched you? What are you yeah, doing? Yeah. What's going on here? Did the Why are you going back? Yeah. No, no, it was yeah. Christ and the Christ event. You know, I, I, I love, especially this time of year, because um, as we approach Christmas and we think about Jesus coming and, 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 and that fantastic thing, I love looking at the New Testament writers because few of them really, 
I mean, and the central part of their focus on Jesus wasn't his birth; it was his resurrection, mm-hmm. right? They often played went backward after you know uh, after the resurrection. They always looked to the Christ event, which is the resurrection of Christ, as their as their starting block to to understand who he was. And and the same thing's true here. And again, Paul said to these Galatians time and time again. Now, you know, you're putting yourself in chains. You're walking away from the salvation that you have known. But now you're you're walking away from it as if you can save yourself. Well, how'd that work for you? Haven't we tried for this for generation and generation to save ourselves? But God's promise of uh, of the Messiah has finally come, and you've tasted and you've seen. So quit yeah. going back to what you once. Uh, He's Paul's really just finding another way of saying the same thing over and over again, but he's trying to strike a chord. One final time here, you know, hitting on this on this history portion. In other words, Paul's giving a history lesson again on why you shouldn't go back to do things like circumcision and depend on that for your salvation. Um. I, I love any moral piety, right? Sure, yeah, any, it, it could be know. anything, right? Yeah, anything you start to lean on yourself, something that you do that you control that yep. you get to say, yep, that that becomes an idol in your life, and or, this is what this was becoming—a status symbol, an idol, you know, something that or 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 the thing which you see here is me telling you how you need to act, John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't. You need you to would. put that suit on. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's amazing. And I still, you know, Jesus said that back in Matthew, maybe 21, 22, somewhere, he said, you know, they 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 burden you down with these rules and these regulations, these laws, these mm-hmm. taskmasters. And these guys are still doing that. Mm-hmm. These are, yeah. these guys are still, you know, I, I, we had talked about whether we thought these guys were just really trying to be super Christians or were they really trying to uh, insert themselves as the power brokers here? They wanted to be in control. Is that the? And I don't know what the case is, but these Galatians are buying this again. And J- Joe, John, listen, look at look at us as we as we do this and we talk about the rev, the relevance. Is that the right word? Relevance? No. The relevance. Relevance. Thank you. For us today in our church, I mean, if anybody comes to you or comes to one and it happens and says, listen, you can't do that. You can't worship that way. You can't wear your hair like that. You can't, you have to, it's the same exact thing. There's no freedom. And I mean, now I understand chaos and I understand, uh, you know, you know, we know I'm not going to mention any, uh, denominations here but we understand chaotic worship and we understand but to tell me that you know if a guy comes out on the hayfield because he had to work and comes and sits down yeah and say look you need to go that kind of thing i mean right i, I mean any type of edict that we make should not be our edict but it's absolutely it's the from the bible right where, where the so bible like, speaks you, you have right. the ability to say john you can't do that if the bible says john yeah, you can't, can't do that, do that. Right? but you, in fact you've got the responsibility to do that yeah but we've got to be very careful to make sure that we're not putting our traditions above what God has and, made very and don't, clear. Do we see that? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. We see oh, of it. Course, oh, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we just have to 
like I said, for the uh, help me here, the relevance for us today, <laughs> the Joe, business in us today, we need to be we need to be real careful with the younger and the weaker of the faith. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, yeah. there's and there's the Bible doesn't speak to a lot of that, so we shouldn't speak to it either. That's right. Yeah, where the Bible speaks, we speak. Where it's silent, silent we remain silent. silent. That's, that's right. right. That's right. That's why I like Leesburg. Yeah, yep. good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> look, look as we go forward in verse twenty six, because mm-hmm. I'm I'm finding this very fascinating. He's now equated Jerusalem to uh, Mount Sinai being in slavery, mm-hmm. and then he switches to a different gear saying, but the Jerusalem above is free. Mm. She is our mother, for it is written. And he got, he gives us Isaiah 54, 1, uh, one through, I don't know, 1 through yep. 3, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, anyway, it's Isaiah 54, 1 for sure. He says, uh, for it is written, Rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth. Burst into song and shout, you who were not in labor— for the children of the desolate woman will be many, more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. If you look at Isaiah 54, it's all about the future glory of Israel. It's all about what's going to happen. And <clears throat> drawing this this uh, line between Jerusalem above, what would he mean by that? What's the meaning of Jerusalem above? Well, I mean, you've got you've got two Jerusalems. You've got the the earthly Jerusalem, and then you've got the new Jerusalem. We've got the and we read about that in Revelation, Revelation. twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yep. or about, Romans or in Romans, that's mm-hmm. correct. There's this. Uh, actually, Paul writes all the, about it. <laughs> the, the true people of God, right? Yeah, it's no longer earmarked by lineage, but by by uh, spiritual rebirth. Spiritual rebirth, yeah, by yeah. by connection to Jesus. We would call that regeneration mm-hmm. in Christ, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now you have an entire people group sealed by the Holy Spirit, yeah. which is totally cool. Yeah. I mean, it's something that's never happened. It's a new thing. Mm-hmm. And Paul's reminding everybody, hey, this was written about by Isaiah. You know, that Heck, it was written up about back in Genesis 12. It, it really was. Yeah. Abraham, yeah. right? Yeah. Like all peoples, not just Jewish peoples. They tended to leave that out, didn't they? All people. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) They didn't want to think about that. Uh, So now in verse 28, then, so mm -hmm. now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. I I, I like verse 28 there because there's a contrast. You know, we've been talking about people who are bound to slavery. That's right. But in verse 28, that could be translated, uh, but, but brothers, you, right? His audience is it's not this group, right? Correct. Not, you're, you you haven't been hoodwinked as far as you know. I've been speaking theoretics, like, right? Yeah, like you know, I, I, Paul could say here, kind of. It's kind of like he's saying, "I've been pretty harsh with my language, calling you bewitched and stuff," but not you guys, right? Not you, brothers. You know what? This is one of the more um, encouraging. Scriptures, mm-hmm. I think it, it maybe not on the surface, but verse twenty-eight there reminds me that even though I may stumble my toe, yeah, even though I may mess up sometimes and not have perfect theology, heck, and, and here's the other thing, like I might stumble back for the sake of doing good, stumble back into slavery, yeah, like the intentions again. I I, I want to be light here because I I think some of the Jewish Christians their intention was good. 
I want to give God my best. I mean, I th- a lot of people wear suits and stuff to church every Sunday. I don't, I don't think it's always out of self-piety. Like, the, the, they, for whatever reason, grew up and they want to present their best to God and to worship him. And they're fine. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that as long as we don't make it a test of fellowship. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? There? Oh, yeah. Like, there's Man, a, I, a balance there that has to be played. I I might want to dress up and wear a suit every Sunday, and that's great and fine, whatever, you know? Uh, it becomes a problem when I make it about, well, there you've got to dress up too, uh, right? Yep. Or but, you so try to start juice, to base your, your righteousness on how well you look on Sunday. That's right. That That... <laughs> You know, I think people have hidden behind those pretty clothes and dresses and suits, and yeah. they've they've tried to hide behind that stuff to make themselves look a little better than what they are. Because if you look at their home, mm-hmm. it's ugly. Could if be, yeah. if you look at at some of what's going on at those business meetings, at those churches in the evening when they come back, mm-hmm. it's ugly. Could be. Yeah. If you look at some of the relationships and what they're saying and doing with each other, and <laughs> nobody's looking, it's ugly. And so putting a pretty suit on and dressing up and playing church is no longer acceptable. We can't rely on that outward appearance anymore. It's something that happened in our heart. That's right. Man, but this is encouraging to me because I'm still a child of the promise. Even though I might stumble, even though I might get caught up in a trap, I'm still a child of the promise. And there there is still time for me to turn and repent. Yeah, and go and, you know, back. I think we somebody mentioned last week uh, when we were doing this in class about the prodigal and the father's response. Mm-hmm. Now the pro the son, even the even the other the older son, <laughs> even and, and you know mm-hmm. his father pleaded with him, come in. You know, even in his backwards thinking, but you take the one who intentionally said, "I want all my stuff. I'm heading out," and who knows what he did, but we probably guess. Oh yeah. I mean, he threw it all to the wind That's and right. the father just, he, and we said, you know, well, at least maybe I can go back and get a place in the bunkhouse. Mm-hmm. But the father said, no, you know, he, like, I think you said, John, he was watching from afar off and he saw him and ran to him. And and there wasn't anything like, boy, I'm, you know, you need to straighten up when you right. go, but it was just lavish love because he is a son, an heir. Yeah. Not because of anything he could do, would do, will do, don't do, mm-hmm. as these guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. But you're, that's just our position yeah. in the family. You know, I, I thought about, it's, and a real simple analogy to me about this, say, say when you got married, for instance, you go on your money honeymoon, you come home, and your wife hands you, a li- hands you a note with a list on it and says, now that we're back, You've got to tell me you love me ten times a day. You got to mm-hmm. kiss me twenty times a day. You got to, you got to do the laundry. You got to now, to you know, for me to love you. Mm-hmm. Now, what kind of marriage would would that be? Yeah. That's exactly what these guys have bought yeah. into. It's contractual. It's, yeah, uh, and yeah. it's yeah, and it's not freedom. Yeah. It's not freedom. Right. You know, yeah, and that's the beauty of it. It doesn't matter how I act, yeah. like you said, Joe. Yeah. A How son's I go always to church. a son, right? Yes. A wife's always a wife. And we all right? have kids. They can't do anything to remove themselves from our table. That's right. And even though they are trying, yeah. they will never do that because of their position as a hiler or a Graves or a Welch. Yeah. That's just all it is. Yeah. I am reminded of the prodigal 
again, as you said, while the prodigal was away, the father said, my child was dead. My son was dead, but he, he lives again yeah. when he returned. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's good. You, I'm reminded that, you know, though there's nothing we could ever do so bad to remove ourselves from God's table, God's a gentleman and is going to respect your decision that's of right. whether to stay at the table. Yeah. Because the father respected that son enough to say, okay, here's your inheritance. There you T- go. Take it. And, right. and, That's right. Yeah. Said that. But And he didn't try. He didn't lock him up and say, no, you're not leaving. No. Or you're not getting a penny. He gave him. But when he returned, he was no longer dead, but alive again. Mm. And isn't that what he said? Is yeah. That what he, yeah. Yeah. It's That's exactly right. what he said, yeah. Yeah. that you're yeah. no longer dead. And That's good. Uh, That's good. It's such a promise, though, because we are God's children, and— Man, I I just feel like if we could get a hold of that, it, it's such a powerful moment. But it, it flies under the radar. It's mm-hmm. disguised in, yep. in the middle of this book. Um, he continues on in verse 29. And again, it's going to be some of this language that's a little bit sticky, mm-hmm. but it, it still contains it still contains the truth. He says, but just as as it was then, the child born um, as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the Spirit. So also now it is. So see, he's he's making a comparison that the, the children of the flesh are persecuting the children of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So there's this correlation being drawn. So now the Jews who are under slavery, slavery in the flesh— are persecuting no. those that are set free by Christ. But yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. the New Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Correct. The New Jerusalem mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. being persecuted by the Jerusalem below, or the Mount Sinai Jerusalem. And, and, and I love the the edict here in verse thirty. But yes. what does the scripture say? Well, cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit the son shall not inherit with the son That's of right. the free woman. There's no, there's no lollygagging around here, right? No, it's God yeah. was very precise in his actions with Ishmael and Isaac, and uh, uh, and and precise here as well in this new church, this new Jerusalem. As far as how we're gonna how, how we're gonna roll with this, cast it out, cast it aside, get rid of it, put it behind you. Yep. Don't right. tolerate this type of nonsense within the community of of believers. That's right. There's a wall of separation that's and, been and put you up. Know, I, I like to always try to go back to our situation at home here now. Uh, and the church, you know, the church always loved the church. You know, it's his bride, and we always will. We always serve it, love it, her, us. But, you know, Jesus said in John, what chapter? Uh, anyway, you know, to, he told, oh, it's chapter 3, Nicodemus. What did he say? He said, you must be born of the flesh or the water yep. of the Spirit to inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. So we're all born under this law, yeah. even us today. We're born in this flesh, guilty, mm-hmm. Stand, mm-hmm. standing guilty. Mm-hmm. But this, it's not a church thing, guys. It, you know, we, we don't, we don't yeah. get a list or a, we don't have a, uh, something that we hold on to, which I think a lot of people still do. They yeah. hold on to like a it, membership card. You don't get a membership card. The The membership is indwelt within but, you through guys, the Holy Spirit. How important is this to get this across? Mm-hmm. 
you could never darken the hallway of a church and still become a child of God in the same position any one of us are because of your choice through faith as God calls you to become his son. And I think, you know, this in, in this, I don't know, are we in the Bible Belt here? Yeah. I guess so. There's just this entrenched thing about church and church things. And gosh, you know I love the church. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm yeah. not bashing. I'm not not. Right. I was raised in a really rigid, and you know I I just and, and it 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 kind of holds as a shadow over all the the church still today. Yeah. Of, and and I, I think we do a really good job of un, helping people understand what it means to be free in Christ. Yeah. But still, we just have to be so careful of what we say to people. Sure. And about anything that yeah. in regards to discipleship. And I know that you're not saying that there's anything disparaging about the church. No, no, no. Right? That's not what I'm but saying. Maybe how we communicate. Traditional. Right? Like the idea yeah. that we have control over ourselves. Well, you know, that guy, can, that guy can really talk a really good – he mm-hmm. can really teach. He knows all the words. Yeah. He, he's, you know, and, and feel lesser of a Christian or say this guy, you know – they're doing. They do everything. They're there. They're this, and and I mean, not that it would be broadcast, but to understand that. And I, that's why I said about the marriage and a family. When you're a child of a family, no matter what child you are and what line you're in, you are a part of the family. And that's why adopt, the adoption language throughout the Bible is so important because, uh, you know, I adopted Niam uh, when a man and I first got married. Nia didn't choose me. I chose her. That's right. Right. Not by anything she had ever done, ever will do, because you didn't that's even right. know who she was. That's right. As a person, right. it was your choice, and yeah. that is a beautiful Ad- adoption. Is always the choice of the adopter, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened to us. And so, you know, I, I would hate for anyone to hear what you just said and, and say, "Well, yeah, there he says there's the church isn't important." That's not what you're saying. No, right? not at all, guys. Not at all. not at all. But the big thing, if I the way I interpret what you just said, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. The idea there is that this idea that I have any type of control over salvation. Yep, that's well, that's where we have to really be. You know, well, be, well I go to church. Well, so what? I go to McDonald's. You know, that doesn't make me a Big Mac, right? You know, <laughs> like I I don't have control over that. It's God who who is at work. And I think that, yes, that's what that, I'm saying yeah. exactly. But what I'm saying even more, Joe, is that for us to ever ever interfere with someone's type of worship or how they come to church or how they bring their kids or how they dress or how they talk or what they don't know or what they do know or how Mm -hmm. they give or how they don't give a litmus test the the freedom you know for me to ever put myself in that position between them and christ and say like these guys are doing to the galatians Mm -hmm. you got to follow these feasts you got to follow these days you got to you got to you, do you know that? Do you know yep. there's a special place for for Christ talks about it in the Bible? It'd be best if you were never, yeah, you know. I, but again, those edicts are man-made edicts, right? Like if I'm like Paul puts himself in that position with the guy in Corinthians, he says, "Hey, look, you can't be having sex with your mother-in-law," right? Like that's a pretty clear boundary where we should step Absolutely. in and say, we, "Don't we, do and that." If we don't, right? we're wrong. That's right. right. And, and so it's the man-made tradition. That you're talking against right yes, now, yes. not necessarily moral behavior. No, 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 no. We're not going into the accountability thing. We're just That's talking right. about I'm with you. the freedom to worship Christ 
and and to enter into his dwelling, yeah. to be his child, and to ever put myself in between him and them because I don't really like the way you're doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you there. So I think eventually we have to ask ourselves, though, in in the realm of this topic that you're all discussing right now, what is the church? Is the church a building? Is the church yep, a board go. of directors? Is the church an audience sitting in a building? Uh, I, and what's your answer, Joseph? <laughs> my, my answer is those things are all good and well and can be a part of the church. But the church itself is a body of believers. It's a body of Christ-sealed believers filled with the Holy Spirit and functioning as a single unit. Now, what does that look like? Today in our society, it looks like a building, and you see a cross on the side of a building. All those things are, I'm not putting them down. Mm -hmm. Those are good things, right? And they help us reach the communities that we're in. But I think those buildings and those things that people call the church take the focus off of the real meaning of the church. It, it pulls away from the message of Christ that he came to save us. He paid a price for us. They see this building and a bunch of hypocrites sitting in there, and they don't understand it. The, the, yeah, I, I mean, clearly today the church has become a destination point where I, I went to church, right. um, where the biblical church, I, I agree fully with everything said there, Two elements of church, two views of church, the global church, that's the kingdom of God church. That's that's what we join when we are joined with Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, we join the church, the global church, that's the right. brothers and sisters around the world. And then you have the localized that's church right. that's established throughout the book of Acts. And it's a group of local believers. That's right. And they just, they're not just showing up at a destination once a week. That's right. That's what it's morphed into today, but... But more than that, they met regularly together. They fellowshiped together. They spent time together. They cared for one another. You know what, they, John? They I did kinda... mission work with them, with each other. They right. cared for needs of one another. They did that, life together. That, that was, it was a right. daily that's, thing. That's, that's yeah. the exactly. picture that we have. But I, I feel like the early church looked a lot like this bold group, more than likely. Probably I feel, so. I feel like it was a close, tight-knit group of people that did life and yeah. suffered with each other's whatever they're going through. Yeah. They, you know, when help, there was a need, it was helped spoken, out, pitched it was in. That's right. Taken that's right. care of. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, and that's what we're called to be. And, and that's what he says in verse thirty-one. So, brothers, we're not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Like, we're not bound. Uh, we're released. And mm. and again, throughout Paul, most of Paul's writings, he talks about how we're released. And in fact, he'll go into this uh, in chapter five how we're released for a purpose, yes. for a mission. That's the beauty of when I don't have to worry about if I'm checking all the marks to make sure that I'm a quote-unquote good Christian, or maybe it's quote, good Christian, end quote. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, when I don't have to check those boxes and I'm not worried about, well, am I being good enough? When I don't have to worry about it anymore, I'm free to free for mission, free to do mission. Right. You know, to share this gospel, you know what I mean. I, I get it. I yeah. get it. Yeah, it's no longer self-interest yeah. and self, self. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, taking care of myself, I'm Every, taking care of. Everybody wants to go to Galatians chapter five. 
when they when they think of Galatians, they all want to read chapter five. But Wonder until why that you, is. <laughs> until you wade through a lot of what yeah. verse twelve is my favorite. <clears throat> until you wade through all those things that came in front of it, you don't understand the why. Yeah. The why of what Paul was writing in chapter five. So it's going to be great next week when you hear that recording. I, I know that it's going to be meaningful when we go through the two weeks of chapter five. And go ahead, John. Well, you know, I was watching a show the other day, and I thought, boy, that'll preach. And then I heard it somewhere else, and so I was like, man, maybe the Lord's working on me here. But in this show, there was a person who was trying to eradicate all pain. And someone else who was the villain, the character's villain, he says, man, that's a bad idea. And I said, well, why not? If you could remove all pain, wouldn't that be wonderful? He said, no, the problem is if you remove all pain, you never really experience the joy. You know what I mean? Without the valleys, the mountain peaks are never really as mountainous. Without the pain, it's never. And that's kind of what chapters one through four are. It's pain in order to celebrate and enjoy the freedom in chapter five. Hmm. It's good stuff. And then Sammy mentioned pain this weekend, didn't they? She did. <laughs> so it's just been popping up all over the place. It's kind of interesting. Evil is non-existent without good, mm. but good can exist without evil. Mm. It's kind of like a shadow can't exist without yeah, the, light. Yeah. The shadow, in, in fact, the shadow proves the sun, right? That's right. And so you have this idea here that that evil is just this imitation mm-hmm. that's encroaching upon what God created that was good. Yeah, man, it's it, it gets really good, and it's and so. I'm I'm looking forward to this next chapter. But fantastic, fantastic, it's great. Well, listen, come back and join us in person live on Monday nights at six o'clock at the Hub. Uh, continue to listen on the Bold Men's Podcast. Next week we'll be in Chapter Five. Verses 1 through 15. God bless. Take care. Be bold. Be bold, my friends. See you guys.